All right, we are back. I'm Janine. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And standing by is my very special guest. And actually, this is um, a cousin of mine, a distant cousin. His name is Peter Konstam, and he's joining me live to talk about his book, A Chance to Live, which I had a chance to read, and it was mind-blowing. It's based on a memoir written by Peter's father and their escape from Nazi persecution, and it's a powerful story, and it's my pleasure to welcome Peter Konstam to the show. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm glad we could make this happen. Well, um, uh, I want to thank uh, you and, and the radio station for having me as a guest. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So, I got a hold of a copy of your book through my Aunt Jane, who lives here in California, and she had a chance to meet you, and I read your book, and uh, I was just blown away. I want to start with, how did you get a copy of your dad's memoir? Of my who? Of your father's memoir. How did you get a copy of this? It took me many years to talk to my dad, and he was in Germany. Mm Mm-hmm back in Germany after the war, and then we were living in New Jersey. <clears throat> and it took me quite a few years to convince him to write the story as true as possible of our flight and his somewhat of his background. And it took a few years, and, 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 and eventually I got a manuscript in German, which I have, naturally, mm-hmm. and, it, and, and that's it. So that's how we got it. it, it it's, his, it's his memoir, or his recollection, whichever way you want to put it. Now, as you were reading this memoir, did you remember a lot of this, or did you... You're it all, well, first of all, I remembered a lot. Okay. But in going through this, um, well, first of all, I had to translate the manuscript, and uh, that took me a while. I used to, in those days we were still using dictionaries and not so much Google, and um, because it wasn't just to translate it literally in what he said, but also then I went back in the spirit and what he meant, and that took also a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, he used to write in a very um, um, uh, flowery, if you want, um, German. Okay. So I had to get the meaning of what he meant, etc. So the names came back to me, the places came back to me, and my mother had uh, uh, said to me um, before I left Argentina, well, even when we met in, in Europe when I was an intern, she said that she was amazed that I remember the names. It is amazing. And I would wake up at night writing the book, or the manuscript, rather, Mm-hmm. And I had a pad, which I still have uh, in my night table on a pen, because I remembered names. It's incredible. So it's been a lot of toil, a lot of, and um, naturally the maps that that also helped bring back memories, and it's in my head. I mean, I, I very much remember who, where, what, and how. 
and unfortunately there are many things I don't remember mm-hmm. or I didn't know because don't forget I was a young child then. Sure. But um Okay, so that's it. So, so I okay. think I've answered your question. That's okay. So I want to fill the listeners in because I put some information up on my show blog about you. As a small boy, Peter Konstan lived with his parents in an apartment in Amsterdam during World War II. By coincidence, one of their neighbors was the Frank family, including Anne Frank, who became Peter's sometime babysitter and playmate. When the Nazis occupied the Netherlands, the Frank family went into hiding, but the Konstams decided to flee. They made their way across Belgium and France, crossing the Pyrenees to Spain in a year-long journey filled with dangerous border crossings and miraculous escapes. They spent the night sleeping under bushes and trees and hiding in barns, hotels, or bordello, and the homes of strangers from all walks of life, both Christian and Jewish, who took them in and helped them. When I say the name Gerda Lesky, what comes to mind? Am I pronouncing her name correctly, by the way? Lesky. Oh, what comes to mind? Yes. Uh, first of all, I, I can get a little emotional because uh, I, I, I cannot just, well, uh, she was a heroine. Mm-hmm. She was a hero. That, that's what comes to my mind. Yeah. If, if I should say it in one word. Yes. So tell the listeners what she did for you. Gerdalesk, when, when, when we uh, received the, the uh, orders through the German Nazi occupation, which was sent to us by a Dutch organization mm-hmm. to all of us in, on that street, uh, on the first set of those that were ordered to uh, be present at the railroad station, um, uh, that night in June, and um, there was a meeting okay. in our apartment between a doctor, my grandmother, and my parents. And in addition, we had been, we had just gone through a razzia, which was something typical in those days, and those uh, uh, sort of breaking into the apartments Ah. on the street by the Nazis, which I don't want to get too long, but there was a little convoy involved, and and they would break in and either kill everybody, which is what they did to our neighbors, exactly next door neighbors, the family of eight, and they were machine-gunned on their second visit. And one little girl was left alive, who, by the way, well, that's another story. We were luckier, and they didn't kill us. Amazing. But they took over the contents of the homes Mm -hmm. and took them with them. In a way, that is how the Germans took over the art and valuables furniture and what have you in these apartments. That family of eight next door was left with one bed for eight. Uh, Just to give you an example of what was going on. Uh, And my mother slipped a little paper into my hand when the, uh, the Germans were there 
uh, breaking and stomping and insulting and yelling mm -hmm. and kicking with the butts of their weapons. Yeah. Uh, and the paper, I felt a paper in my hand. I was standing in front of my parents next to my grandmother and very quietly and without trying to be noticed, I eventually put that paper in my mouth. Unbelievable. For, and how old were you? And, and swallowed it. Were you were about five? And the funny part of the story of that is that then I asked my grandmother when they left, what, what, what would happen with the paper? <laughs> she said, well, don't worry, it'll come out eventually. <laughs> in addition to this, there was a meeting. Now, this meeting, I, I, I said, was what, do you, what, what, what we were go going to do. Now, Otto Frank had invited my father to hide with the Franks in the annex, but nobody knew that, and nobody knew he had a hiding place. That was before we all fled. So that was a very, very secret uh, uh, thing, and I think it was a very nice thing that the Franks did uh, to have asked my family, my father, the family, yes. to hide with them. Uh, for various reasons, my mother decided uh, with her mother that that was not, um, um, they weren't going to do that. Right. And, well, the first thing that happened, my mother called Gerda. Mm -hmm. well, who was Gerda Leske? The Leskes were a German, Catholic, or Christian, uh, that's a better word, I don't know if they were Catholic, so they were Christian family. Mm -hmm. And my mother, during the occupation, uh, they, they became very good friends. Gerda and my mother became very, very close friends. And I remember during the uh, occupation and the... Um, uh, what's the word, Susan, when uh, at night we had to close everything? The, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, we couldn't go on the streets, nobody. Oh, there's um, a curfew. They had a, it was kind of like a curfew, right. yeah. And, uh, thank you. So, um, my mother had many talents, and gregarious and charming, and a linguist, 11 languages. A very charming person. Uh, it's one way that Anna Frank and my mother flashed on. So, the, so during these uh, the occupation time, we Jews couldn't go to work anymore and had to uh, request permits and this and that and pay to the city and to the government a lot of money and, and stand in lines for the food vouchers and so on. Etc., which didn't help very much anyway. Once you got them, if you got them, that the first thing that occurred was she was working already, earning money under the table for, for the Leskis who had uh, one or two uh, fashion stores. And mm -hmm. um, my mother loved fashion, as did Anna Frank too. And uh, there was another connection. So she was earning black money. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing she did when, when these incidents happened, 
she called Gerda, who immediately, without thinking, said, well, come in an hour or two hours or whatever it was to our store and go through the back door so nobody will see you and um, we'll see what we can do. Now, for the past year or so, two years, we were already all Jewish people. We were already wearing the Stars of David. So naturally, the first thing that happened was to remove these. But when you remove them, they left a little uh, a, a, a swatch on, on, on the outer garment. Yes. A stain. Yes. And, and so that had to be corrected and so on. So uh, she arranged then to come up with a very, very... Um, very clever. I, I remember reading that. Well, if you want to use the word clever, uh, plan. Yeah. And the plan was that my mother being the fashion person already for Gerda and loved fashion, so she was to be the model of a make-believe fashion show in their store in Maastricht, mm. which is south, let me see the map, south. It's southwest on the border with Belgium, actually in a very nice area uh, during peace times. And my father was the artist. Well, so he was then asked to falsify the documents, which he did. Yeah. And I was told not to recognize my parents on the railroad uh, trip yes. to Maastricht, about two and a half hours. And that girl was going to be my impersonating mother. You, you were, excuse me, Peter, you, I, when I was reading things about what you had to go through and, and pretend that, you know, Gerda was your mother and your mother was not your mother, or when you hid in, in the uh, outhouse, you did things beyond your years. Well, uh, I, I guess so. I mean, we didn't get any training on this. Nice. Uh, when we were, our apartment was occupied and they broke down and insulting and kicking and hitting. Uh, with uh, 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 guns and all of that, and my mother put a paper in my hand. I mean, we didn't go to school to 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 to, to practice this. Yeah, you were very mature for your age. They didn't, 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 they, 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 uh, I mean, my my mother told me a few times, "You don't. This is not your mother. You don't recognize her." Yeah. Well. Uh, with one little almost giveaway and the train ride, I didn't. And and then uh, these other experiences, that was just um, um, I don't know. People have asked me in the past, and and my answer on on how I came to this was utter fear. Sure. And 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 God's inspiration. Because mm-hmm. I don't have another answer to that. And we knew, I knew danger. Oh, and yes. we saw it hourly, daily. Yeah. So, uh, and, and don't forget, there was an entire, um, the way people were, were conditioned 
Yeah, the Netherlands was a, uh, Amsterdam and the Netherlands were always friendly, good, nice people. Well, the next things that happened, naturally, the Star of David, that became a demeaning kind of serious act against a very important group of society in the Netherlands and in Germany, as well as in the other countries where uh, Jews were uh, instructed, ordered to wear a Star of David. So suddenly the people being nice in the trams and on the streets and joking and playing and knowing your name, certainly in Amsterdam, in our neighborhood, that all stopped. Demeaning. And another secret um, um, weapon was betrayal. Yes. Betrayal became a very important deadly weapon because not only did it do what betrayal is, if we define it, but it killed trust. Yes. And suddenly people have to be very careful. We didn't trust anybody in any place. We couldn't. And that included close relatives Mm. who would betray their own parents sisters and brothers, or whoever, because the youth, for example, not to talk about the adults who, who also, but the youth group that joined the Nazi youth groups. Mm. So it's very difficult to explain how we were trying to make a so-called normal, quote-unquote, which was it was not any longer life. And that, a lot of this naturally also conditioned black marketing. Right. So, um, you know, we had some food and this and that. Uh, I don't know that anybody in my family stood in line for days or weeks in the rain and the snow to get these uh, vouchers. And you should see what was happening in standing in lines. It wasn't always civil. And I can tell you stories of standing in line in Spain where we were, my father and I, because my mother was in prison then, trying to see how we could find her and get her out of prison. And what people would do in those lines prompted me to promise, and I've not done it ever since, if possible, sometimes in the airports we do because we have to, but is to stand in lines. I just refuse to stand in lines. Mm. And um, um, people don't know up to what level they will do if they want to do or could do what they should be doing if they stand up to do it. Yes. And what will they do to save their hide? Yeah. So, Peter, I'm going to end this here because the time has flown by, and I'd like to invite you back on in January. We'll figure out... Oh, this is it? I know. Can you believe it? Because we're going to have to wrap up uh, a drop before 10. But this is only the beginning. I want to have you back on again. <laughs> well, um, I thank you very much. There is a, a very interesting thing, if I may add, today. Yes. yes. That started last week. Our very good close by us invitation, if I should say it that way, 
friend who lives in the apartment where we used to live before we fled in Amsterdam. She's a historian who had worked for Anna Frank for many years before she uh, became a historian. Well, she was a historian, but then became a professor of history in The Hague, uh, teaching history and whatever, and wrote some books. And just as we speak, she published a book uh, translated in English. Anna Frank was not alone, mm-hmm. meaning she wrote a book of the families that lived on Merveda Plain. And that would be you. To, yeah, we are mentioned in the book. Yeah. And, uh, and there are others. And um, uh, unfortunately, that's one th- thing I cannot uh, talk too much about because I was a young kid. I didn't know the name of those people. I'm sorry, my mother is alive. She, she would, I guess, know them all for most part. And, and it's quite a book. So I just thought to let you know. And I will say one more story. I did say that when the Germans invaded the next door apartment of ours, and my grandmother played bridge with the old lady almost every night, especially during curfew hours. And my parents played bridge with the Franks, but they had to be very careful how they walked for two apartments against the walls not being seen. The guards were there, uh, you know, during curfew guarding that nobody was on the streets and no lights and this and that. Well, the one girl that was left alive in writing and researching for this book found her today living in Scotland at the age, we believe, is somewhere around 94, 96 years old. Oh, my gosh. And a niece or somebody mm-hmm. gave the, the name and address to uh, our friend who, who, who lives in their apartment, which is now a condo, by the way. In, in the days we lived there, it wasn't. And we did write to her, but, uh, well, her age or whatever, we never had a big response. But but the girl did say, or this lady, rather, now a woman, oh, that she remembered that boy. Oh, you. I'm sorry to say, cute Mm. and blonde curl hair. And that, so that, again, was another verification that we all lived there on Merveda Plain. So, excuse me, Peter, unfortunately, I have to wrap because there's another show coming on at 10, but... Because she also said, I'll I'll say this the next time, why we did not, were not able to immigrate to the United States. So, we're going to wrap up, we're going to... Again, pick this up again in January. Um, Peter's website is P-I-E-T-E-R-K-O-H-N-S-T-A-M.com. So, Peter, it's been wonderful talking to you again. We will pick this up in January. Thank you so much for calling in. Anytime. I appreciate it, and thank you again for the opportunity. My pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right, that's a wrap. I'm Janine. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Have a wonderful Monday, everyone. I'll be back next week.